It was like I was walking home in the fog, not noticing anyone around me. I was not bothered by the way the people I met on the way darted aside. It was understandable. I guess it's not very pleasant to meet death on a dark street. Hello! Do you like Halloween? So, your night before All Saints Day obviously went better than mine. My name is Melanie, and I'm going to tell you how a costume party turned into a nightmare for me. The whole school was looking forward to that Halloween party. The preparations had been in full swing for several weeks. Everyone was picking their looks and getting their costumes ready. Mel, this is going to be the party of the year, my friend Sharon stated. But she was always the party girl, and every party was her party of the year which must not be missed. I never like noisy gatherings. I plan to devote my time to my studies. Classes and preparation for them always took up most of my day. And during my free time, or what was left of it, I was with my boyfriend Brian. Sometimes, I even managed to find an hour or two for girls' get-togethers. Even if I suddenly got bitten by Sharon and passed her addiction onto me, and I suddenly had the urge to hang out in a weird costume, there would be no time to properly prepare. It was for the best. That particular Halloween night, I was planning on doing a report for my history class. If you're not going, there's nothing for me to do, Ryan said. What nonsense! You don't have to stay home all night. You have to go out and have fun. My boyfriend denied it for a while. But a week before the party, he still began to think about the theme of his costume. I was all for it. And then came the unfortunate day. As planned, at night, I wish Ryan a good rest. And I wish Sharon not to throw herself at all the handsome guys. I sat down at the computer myself because I had long and hard work ahead of me with an enormous amount of material. An hour and a half passed. Every now and then, I was distracted by the phone notifications. Here's Brian taking selfies with his best friend dressed as a werewolf. Here's Sharon sneakily taking a picture of the school beauty queen deciding to be a heroine from Stephen King's Carrie. It was a surprise to me that she even knew what books were. Another half an hour, my older sister Monica knocked on my door. Studying again? My sister sat down on the edge of the bed. What about the party? I have two reports to turn in on Monday. So today, let them have fun without me. Today and last month and two months ago, my sister shook her head and then walked over the computer and turned off the monitor. Hey, I just started! I reached out my hand to turn the screen back on, but Monica grabbed my wrist. Finish it tomorrow. Mel, you're 16 years old and you're acting like an elderly professor. Use this one-time thing and you spend it with books and computers. How did you ever get a boyfriend? To be honest, I asked myself that question a lot. Brian was a handsome athlete and why he paid attention to me in the first place was a mystery. And I did not dare to ask him about it. Go to the party, my sister said in a reconcilable tone. But I don't even have a costume. I'll give you the costume I sewed the year before for cosplay. It should fit. There was no point in resisting any further. I knew that once Monica had made up her mind, she couldn't be persuaded. And why not surprise Brian and Sharon and have some fun together for that matter? An hour later, I was getting out of my sister's car, trying my best not to get tangled up in the hem of my long outfit. Monica had chosen the death costume for her cosplay a couple of years ago. It was a strange choice, but it had its good points. 
For example, a mask in the form of a skull that covers the face and allows you to save a lot of time on makeup. I felt out of place, but in the back of my mind, I was glad I hadn't dragged my Catwoman costume to the party. It would have been more embarrassing. The party was at the coolest club in town. It could easily hold a few hundred teenagers. I entered the hall and looked around. The bright, shiny, colorful costumes, the loud music, and the strobe lights made me dizzy. There was plenty of room on the big dance floor, but the bar was closed. Alcoholic beverages were strictly forbidden at this party. I went to look for familiar faces, but 10 minutes later, I realized that it wasn't that easy. Even though I knew what outfits Brian and Sharon were wearing, finding them in that crowd was going to be a real challenge. Still, I'd have to text my young man and spoil the surprise a bit. I headed over to the easy chairs in the corner where the guys were lounging, tired from dancing. Luckily, there was room for me and I sat down next to a couple, turning my back to them not to disturb them and pulled out my phone. We must confess to her, said the girl behind me trying to shut down the music. How much can you hide? I don't think it's time yet, the guy replied. I tried not to listen to their conversation, but it was hard. You've been saying that for a month now. When is the right time? Your insecurity is making everyone suffer. Me, you, Melanie. I froze with the phone in my hands. At that second, I recognized the voices. It was Sharon and Brian. My first impulse was to turn around and give myself away, but curiosity got the better of me. I turned into one big ear and pretended to rummage through the phone. I don't think Mel will like what we did, Brian said. We did? What could my boyfriend and my best friend have done together? Who, in fact, never really talked to each other that much. Did they pretend they didn't want to know each other in front of me? But behind my back, they were talking and spending time together? It couldn't be. I'm surprised she hasn't burned us yet. Oh, please, Brian. Melanie can see anything but books and a computer. Even if we started kissing while we're in the same room with her, she wouldn't tear herself away from another lecture on YouTube. My eyes went black. Maybe, of course, it was the stupid mask in the stuffy room that made me lack oxygen, but what I heard was really shocking. It sounded like Brian was dating Sharon and he was afraid to tell me. Of course, it was my own fault. I did spend too much time studying. But that's not a decent reason to do me like this. I stood up with determination and was about to turn to those two traitors and tell them what I thought of them when I heard Sharon's words. We should have done it the right way. I hope no one remembered our faces or would be in serious trouble. What kind of trouble, Char? It's stealing. It's not stealing, it's just a little trick. We're stealing someone else's stuff. Brian, let's get rid of it already. Give it to Melanie. I don't want to see it. What a twist. Yes, it would be better if they met behind my back. As if in a fog, I got to the exit from the club. The fresh air made me feel a little better and I was finally able to collect my thoughts. My boyfriend Brian and my friend Sharon had done something really bad, and that was stealing something that belonged to someone else. Now they are very ashamed, but they can't admit it. The guilt and fear of being caught tormented them so much that they decided to get rid of the stolen item by planting it on me. Well, that's quite a situation. I didn't notice how I got home. You're home early, Monica said, surprised to see me on the doorstep. 
I just shrugged it off and went to my room. What had they stolen? Robbed the jewelry store? Robbed the hardware store on the corner? Maybe they've stolen a suitcase full of money. I couldn't believe that Sharon, the sissy and fashionista, and Brian, a baseball fan, could commit a crime. They didn't seem like people capable of crime. I don't seem to know people at all. But that's not what's important right now. What do I do in this situation? Should I pretend I hadn't heard and wait to be set up? Or should I report it to the police? But then, Brian and Sharon would be arrested and sent to jail and they are, after all, close people to me. Close people who broke the law and decided to pin the blame on me. How about letting my friends know that I know everything? As if arguing with an angel on one shoulder and the devil on another, I could not decide. I went back downstairs in the same death costume and sat across from Monica, who was finishing her tea. Did you get used to the role? My sister smiled. I'm not ready yet. Go away. Monica, how would you act in a difficult situation? By the law or by the call of your heart? You scared someone to death and now you're afraid to admit it? Well, let's go hide the body. I'm serious. Apparently, I look so upset that my sister stopped sneering and thought about it. You always have to do what the law says, even when it comes to the people closest to you. What on earth have you done, Melanie? Her sister frowned and she looked as if she was no longer amused. I didn't do anything. I just, I just read the book and thought about the plot. This answer was fine with Monica. My sister was right. We had to follow the law. And if Brian and Sharon had broken it, I'd have to turn them into the police. But first, I have to talk to them and make sure I got it right. I dialed Brian's number and he answered almost immediately. Judging by the noise of the street in the background, he was on his way returning from the party. I'm going home. It was boring without you. And it would have been even more boring if I'd been put in jail for your crime, I thought. Out loud, I asked my boyfriend to come over to my house. And for reassurance, I added, something very scary has happened. I wrote the same thing to Sharon. My friend, though she was still having fun, immediately asked one of the older students to give her a lift to my house. The three of us were about to be confronted. They were surprised to see each other. Even more surprised they have been with my outfit. There was silence in my living room for a few minutes. It was broken by Monica who was going down the stairs. Death, a vampire, and a girl of easy virtue. Hmm, interesting party you have here. I'm Siri from The Witcher, outraged my friend. Brian <laughs> laughed, but soon he wasn't laughing anymore. I know you've committed a crime. My voice trembled, though I tried to sound confident. I was at the party tonight, and I overheard you talking. Oh, shit. The guy slammed his fist on his knee. Oh, well, that's good. Sharon interjected. And it's good that you know nothing has to be hidden anymore. What did you steal? Stole? We didn't steal anything. Brian was indignant. Yes, we did. Sharon almost cried. Your idiot boyfriend decided to give you a Christmas present, picked out a dress, and dragged me to try it on. We're the same size. When we arrived, it turned out there was only one small size left in the whole store and it was put aside by some man in front of us. He said his wife was going to pick it up in 10 minutes. So Brian decided that I should introduce myself as the man's wife, so we did. We walked over in 10 minutes, picked up the last dress, paid for it, and got the hell out of there. I couldn't believe my ears. 
This was the crime of the century I was going to send my friends to jail for? I never thought Sharon would be so conscientious. I had to confess that I almost called the police. It was very embarrassing. But I'm glad I still decided to figure it all out and talk to them first and it ended safely. That's how weird Halloween was for me and my friends. Have you found yourself in a similar situation? Have you ever quarreled with your friends because you assumed they were guilty but did not find out everything to the end? Share your opinion in the comments and don't forget to like this story. No, I'm not going to give up that easily. I thought, as I sat in the cave, no one would find me here for sure, except for the group of tourists who'd come here on a field trip. Not only that, I found myself in a terribly uncomfortable situation because I was in a filthy cave in my wedding dress. I got kicked out of there in disgrace. It turned out that I was hiding in the tourist zone. Whoever thought of doing tours in caves? It stinks and is boring as hell. But as soon as I got outside, I was immediately picked up by my fiancé Jacob's men. Oh man, now I really have to get married. Hi, my name's Lily, and my mom's making me get married, so I don't have to be dependent on her anymore. My mother should get the Mother of the Year award, because she's done enough to annoy me over the past year, and also caused me serious injury. It's her fault I broke my arm, because she made me work as a janitor in the winter, and then one morning, when the power went out all over town, I slipped in the dark, fell down, and blacked out. And when I woke up, I had a cast on my arm. I was in terrible pain. But instead of words of encouragement, my mother said, You did it on purpose so you wouldn't have to work. Do I look crazy? No, you're just lazy. You're useless. You can feel sorry for my mother. She's got such a grown-up daughter who's still not working. But the thing is... We're pretty well off, and we don't need anything. But my mother got it into her head that I have to work, because I'm 18 years old now. The thing is, her friend's daughter has been working since she was 16 and helping the family. And my mom hears from her friend all the time about how great her daughter is. And then she blows her brains out that I should set an example. So adopt her! I once got angry. I'm not going to sacrifice my time for your whims! I'm actually at university, and if I work, I wouldn't have time to study. That's just an excuse, Lily. If you wanted to, you could find a way. I don't want to, so leave me alone. But Mom was determined not to give up, and I found out the next morning when I got into the shower and cold water was pouring down on me. I screamed so loud, the whole neighborhood must have heard me. I ran out of the shower right away. And I yelled at my mom, and she just shrugged her shoulders and said that the water had been cut off for non-payment because I don't work. So, there's no hot water for me. Of course, I knew my mother turned off the heater herself by turning the valve. What are you talking about, daughter? I just didn't have the money to pay the water bill, and no one helps me financially. Soon, we probably won't even have electricity. I got really pissed off, and I had to go to my friend Melissa's house to take a shower. I felt really uncomfortable, but luckily, she understood. Melissa thought my mom was wrong, but I wasn't just lying on the couch all day with my phone on all day. I'm in school, and I'm an A student. Then my mom started selling stuff that I wasn't buying with my allowance. It was my money, so I'm entitled. 
Mom, you're crazy. We're doing fine. Why are you ruining it? You don't want to hear me. You don't want to understand me. I was able to get my laptop back, but I had to say goodbye to my old console, a fitness watch, and a new leather jacket. But even that didn't break me, because I kept standing on my ground. My studies would come first, even if I had no fight with my mom about it. And then I had an unexpected surprise. I came home from the university, and I saw a beautifully set table. Mom even bought me a new dress. What's the catch? Are you going to take it away tomorrow? Of course not, honey. Get dressed. We have guests coming over. A family visited us. I immediately noticed a very handsome boy. It turned out to be my mother's colleagues and their son. The guy was shy, but that only added to his charm. He and I had a nice chat about games, movies, and studying. I really liked the guy, but only until I found out something. My mom has a thing for talking loudly on the phone. She thought I'd gone to bed, but in fact, I was finishing my literature essay. And that's when I heard that it wasn't just guests. Turns out, our parents want to marry us. What? But why would mom do that? What's she up to? I ran out of the room right away. I reached the phone out of her hands, and I threw it at the wall, feeling like I was the coolest agent 007 ever. I heard that. What are you up to? If you don't want to work and help me, then you're going to get married. So you don't have to sit on my neck anymore, Lily. I was so shocked. I stood there like an ice-cold statue for a minute. When I came to myself, my mother had already locked herself in the bedroom. No, this is too much. I'm not marrying anyone. Never. Meanwhile, my mother called the family back in for dinner. I dressed up like a real goth. I climbed up on the table. I threw away all the food, and then I started singing Rumstein songs. Well, that's just to scare the guests. You guys are crazy, like the Adams family, the man exclaimed. And we have a coffin in the closet, I said, and I laughed wickedly. The guests immediately ran away in terror, and then I ran out of the house to avoid the hot hand of my wicked mother. I hid at Melissa's and told her everything. My friend suggested an interesting theory. Your mother probably wants you to work for a reason. Maybe she really does have some problems that you don't know about. That seemed like a sensible idea to me. The next day, I went through my mother's things. And I found something interesting. Turns out, about six months ago, she got mixed up with scammers, who scammed her out of a lot of money. So that's why she wants me to go to work so bad. Mom has debts that for some reason I have to pay off. When I told Mom that I knew her secret, she was able to get away with it. I needed money for a gift, you act so hard for an electric scooter. But I didn't ask to go into debt. That's your problem. We argued for a long time. And the very next day, another fiancé came to visit us. Very wealthy, handsome, but terribly spoiled. I didn't like him at first sight, but my mother begged me to marry him. We'll settle our debts, and then you'll get a divorce. You might even get something in the divorce. Do it for me. No way. However... That guy didn't know how to take no for an answer, and he got us married. But I wasn't going to give up either. So I ran away from my own wedding and hid in a cave. And then, you know the rest. And when we danced the first dance, he purposely stepped on my feet. And I responded by throwing a piece of cake at him. As a joke, the guests laughed. I laughed too. 
But Jacob, on the other hand, he was furious. Believe me, I did everything to get him to divorce me. I ruined his food, I burned his clothes with an iron, and once I sold cheaply through an online store for the goods he was supposed to ship to his business associates in another country. But Jacob remained undeterred. At least, that's what I thought, until we had a social evening. Jacob came on stage, told me how much he loved me and cherished me, and then he showed people a slideshow of wedding photos. Except it wasn't wedding photos. They were mine, shameful ones, which the whole society saw. Now you've lost, Jacob said angrily. Then he came up to me. Let's just get a divorce. I'd love to, except our parents signed a contract, and I have to put up with you for a year. A year? I couldn't believe my ears. I couldn't hold back the tears of despair. Jacob didn't even feel sorry for me. Just like that, I was all alone. It was good that I could go to the university and get support from Melissa. But my mom didn't see how miserable I was. She talked me into staying with Jacob forever because he's insanely rich. And he certainly wouldn't skimp on gifts and expensive things. There's no way in hell I'm staying with that jerk, I screamed. The year went by unbearably slowly, and I finally got my divorce. In the divorce, I had no claim on Jacob's family money, but he gave me $200,000 himself. Buy yourself a house and move away from your crazy mother. My ex-husband said, and then he added, I'm sorry about what happened. It's been a sucky year for both of us. That's for sure, but thanks for the money. I could use it. After the divorce, I immediately bought a house on the coast. It wasn't a new one, but I didn't care. My mother wanted to move in with me. She'd always wanted to move out of that cramped apartment and into a house of her own. Oh no, I'm going to live here alone, I said. Lily, how could you do this to your own mother? How could you do this to your own daughter? You got yourself into debt and you made me pay it off without thinking about my schooling or what I wanted. If it weren't for me, you wouldn't have this house. I'm the one who made you marry Jacob. Yes, and that was a terrible year, too. Even that 200000 wouldn't make up for it. I don't want to see you. I closed the door in front of my mother, and I cried. I was very hurt that she couldn't understand me, and it hurt even more that I would no longer be able to communicate with her. My mother had betrayed me. Melissa and I renovated my new house together, and then one night, Jacob showed up at my door. Did something happen? Yeah, I don't have anybody to talk to. And I have a problem. Jacob told me his business is failing. And he has nowhere else to go. Because all his friends and majors had turned their backs on him. My friend wanted him out. Because she knew how he humiliated me at that social gathering. No, he's staying. And even though my ex-husband and I weren't friends, he gave me money after the divorce. And helped me move out of my mother's house. I helped Jacob come to his senses after he lost his business. I also suggested a good idea for a startup. He loved the idea, but I had to sell the house to make it happen. Melissa thought the guy was going to screw me, but Jacob didn't. Instead, he took a cut, and now we're making money together from the business. The business helped us get closer and become friends. However, no amount of money helped me to reconcile with my mother. She was now resentful of me, but I didn't want to crawl on my knees in front of her either. But I hope that in future, we can forgive each other. Do you think my mom deserved forgiveness? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and subscribe to the channel.
You all know I adore that silly girl. I patted Whitney's cheek, and she jokingly poked me on the side. We adore you too, our dear subscribers, added Whitney. See you again soon. Ciao. I sent an air kiss to the camera, and we finished the broadcast. Get your hands off me, goat. I hissed angrily and pushed Whitney away. Don't touch me, you fool. She waved her fist at me. I hope this is our last broadcast. I can't stand you any longer. It's mutual, Trisha. Whitney finally left, and I was able to exhale in peace. Hi, my name is Trisha, and I have to pretend to be friends with my nemesis for the sake of the hype. Whitney and I were never friends, and we've disliked each other since primary school. This upstart pissed me off so much that we were literally fighting every day. You won't believe it, but at one point, our parents even stopped being called to the principal's office because everyone is fed up with our feud. When we moved to high school, the feud only intensified. The first love and attention only fueled our hatred. As it happens, we were the prettiest girls in school, and I had to make all sorts of shenanigans with Whitney to hold on to the lead. I messed up her hair and clothes, set her up in front of the cool guys, and tried to turn her studies into a nightmare. But Whitney was a tough nut to crack. One Valentine's Day, she did me so bad that I've been cleaning up the aftermath for a year. Whitney sent all the nerds Valentine's cards on my behalf, signed in my handwriting and with a print of red lipstick. She even spritzed the Valentines with the same perfume as mine. She wrote that I was ready to go on a date with each of the nerds. After all, they are worthy of attention despite their lame appearance and an irresistible craving for video games and anime. The whole pimple army just flooded me with messages, and they even started hitting on me at school. In the end, the cool guys started laughing at me, and the stubborn nerds waited for their moment of stardom. I even had to close my social media pages, and that is a big blow to my ratings. After that, I ordered myself a huge pillow with Whitney's face on it, and every day, I'd hit it as hard as I could, taking out all my anger. But worst of all, it started when I transferred to another school. Or rather not just me, but that upstart Whitney. I was ready to spit venom. There she was again. However, the children at the new school thought first that we were just friends in a fight. And word spread around the school about cool girls like us. We can take down a couple of local school queens and take the crown away from them. These words made our sense of self-importance break through the ceiling and we decided that we could certainly use that kind of popularity. Meeting at the best pizzeria, Whitney and I have decided to sign a temporary truce. I'm willing to put up with you for that. I'm 70% fame, you're 30, Whitney declared. What? I'm 80 and you're 20. I got angry. Sure, chicken. You're the chicken. I took the juice and threw it in her face. We got into a fight and tore down the nearest tables. And so it was up to me and Whitney, blazing with anger, to wash all the dishes in the cafe to pay the fine, as we didn't have enough money. One way or another, we came to a common decision. And the next day, two classmates, Whitney and Trisha, showed up at school. The boys ran after us like puppies. But the girls didn't like it. Naturally, conspiracies began to form against us. But hardened fighters like us coped with these attacks together. 
Courtney and Suzanne, the local queens of the school, they didn't want to give us the upper hand. And I had a plan to stomp on them. Whitney, remember your Valentine's Day stunt? Of course I remember. It's the best surgery I've ever had. I made you a real sucker. Whitney laughed quite a bit. I couldn't stand it and we had a fight, breaking each other's nails and messing up each other's hair. However, we implemented our plan with Valentine's. Whitney did everything like a true master framer. And so Courtney and Suzanne are being chased by a mob of nerds. And the other guys laughed dismissively at them. We won, but to stop there would have been foolish. And so our shared blog on all social media was born. We've won the hearts of thousands of viewers. But behind the scenes, we were ready to eat each other up every day. Donations, likes, fame, and dates with cool guys were the best reward for patients. But then something happened that I didn't even expect from Whitney. On another broadcast, she suddenly offered her subscribers a poll. Who is the coolest girl between the two of us after all? I, of course, wanted to finish the broadcast quickly. But the audience liked the idea. Voting began to gain momentum. Whitney was suddenly winning by a huge margin. I couldn't believe my eyes. Oh, thank you, my darlings, said Whitney in a sweet voice. Thank you. But I don't think it's fair to poor Trisha. You know what? I give the title of the coolest girl to her. Whitney ostentatiously put the crown on me and jumped with joy. I was shocked and I didn't know what to say. When the broadcast ended, I even decided to thank Whitney. I didn't expect that from you. Thank you, Whitney. I lowered my gaze modestly. I think we should stop feuding, Trisha. We are a great team. We hugged and I felt a strange lightness. When I got home, I even threw away the battering cushion with Whitney's face on it. The truce has even cheered me up. I didn't notice how the boys started to treat us. Whitney was basking in the glory, and all I got was condescending and pitiful smiles and compliments. It was only then that it dawned on me. Whitney made a poor lamb out of me. She, like a kind fairy, gave me the crown, encouraged everyone to spoil me with likes and comments, and she was gaining popularity herself. You hear that, fairy godmother? I'm going to rip your hair out. I pounced on Whitney right before the shoot. It's taking you a long time, Trisha, grinned the cheeky girl. Poor thing, I'm only trying to shelter you in my shadow from trouble. I'm going to rip your hair out. We started fighting again. I made such a mess of Whitney that she was sure she wasn't going to live. But Whitney showed herself confidently on camera. Suddenly, she started telling everyone that she was just sick. But she came to the broadcast for me. For me! And she began to bask in the glory rays again. But I got a lot of disapproving comments. That same day, I bought a new pillow with Whitney's picture on it. Only this time in full size. And beat her until she ran out of strength. Oh, how she pisses me off! This broadcast is where my story began. And it will end with my victory, rest assured. At another meeting with subscribers, I decided that the poor lamb would be Whitney and slipped a laxative into her milkshake. Oh, there was no face on Whitney, and I groomed her in every way possible. At the same time, talking to everyone else and hanging out. Trisha, we think we better get together another time. Subscribers gathered around Whitney. Yes, Whitney's not feeling well. She needs to rest. 
Come on, let's party! I jumped up on a chair and started dancing. The truth is that it only made everyone angry. And then Whitney turned to the others with a faint smile. Guys, let Trisha have some fun. She really needs it now. Don't worry about me. And she collapsed. I went from being a poor lamb to a disgusting toad. Enough! That's enough! I shouted. Listen, we're not friends. We've hated each other since we were kids. I hate Whitney and she hates me. We fight and quarrel all the time. Come on, Whitney, tell them the truth. Oh, you poor thing. Whitney came up to me. Trisha, if you want, I'll give you our blog. Don't hurt my heart with words like that. Whitney squeezed out a tear. After that, I was almost thrown out of the party right into the street. I had to block all my social media again because I've been inundated with angry messages. And at school, I even had to eat lunch in the backyard next to the most accomplished losers. But the wrangling with Whitney has stopped. It was as if we no longer existed for each other. Whitney continued to blog alone and I concentrated on my studies because college is only a month away. My whole life has turned gray. I had money and no matter what, the guys were still chasing me. But something very important is missing, without which every day was dreary and monotonous. I noticed that Whitney too, despite her fame, is not glowing with happiness. We were just passing through, and for a month, we haven't even said a word to each other. So I wanted to hear something from her, even if it was just another insult. I denied with all my might that I missed Whitney. We've been feuding for so long that I realized with horror that she was the closest human I had. I got a boyfriend, but even he couldn't fill that void. The night before graduation, I felt so sad that I stopped hitting the pillow with Whitney's face and hugged it. It's not hard to guess that I was the outsider at the prom. Even my boyfriend was scared to be around me, and he ended up just leaving me alone to dance. At one point, a huge piñata with my picture on it was dragged onto the dance floor, and they started beating her with bats to get the sweets. And I was breathless with resentment. That's enough! Are you animals? Whitney came out to them. She deserved it! Shouted someone from the crowd. I was sure it was another one of Whitney's plans and just watched it all holding back tears. In the end, I couldn't stand it and decided to leave the prom. And I've been dreaming of it for so long. This part of the hall was very dark and I thought it was a great chance to slip away. But then someone sat down next to me and sighed heavily. I didn't think prom was gonna suck so badly. Was Whitney's voice. Are you serious? Gloating? I snapped. But in my heart, I was glad she came to me. No, this has gone too far, Trisha. I didn't want it to. There was silence, but we stayed seated next to each other. Why don't we go and sit down at our favorite pizza place? She suddenly asked. Are you trying to poison me? You've got lots of friends here. Hang out with them. Friends, Whitney grinned. I thought long and hard about friendship. And you know what I realized? Because of our feud, I've never had a friend closer than you. I know the feeling. I grinned too. And we suddenly <laughs> laughed. Whitney and I left the evening without saying anything to anyone. Most of the night, we ate pizza and chatted. It turns out 
we knew everything about each other. Our interests, favorite music, soap operas, and food. We used to use it as a weapon, and now it has become a topic of our friendly conversation. Naturally, we applied to the best college in the state and ended up studying there together. It's hard to believe, but we become such close friends that I began to think of Whitney as my sister. This story ended with a very important discovery for me. Sometimes teenage feuds are just a thirst for attention, and your enemy may be your closest friend. Because in fact, your interests and views are very similar. Have you ever had a situation where your enemy has become a loyal friend or even a loved one? Write your stories in the comments. It'll be very interesting. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel, like, and share this video with your friends. It just can't be. My life has never been so similar to a bad Mexican soap opera. Is it a coincidence? I hopefully looked at my parents. No, Goldie, it's not a coincidence. He shared his blood with you. Oh no, I wish I was dead. Hi, my name is Goldie, and I just recently found out that my worst enemy saved my life. I have no one to blame for that accident except myself. What a stupid idea it was to ride a scooter when you have no idea how to operate it. But I lost my mind when I saw this beautiful thing of mine in the parking lot of the school, or rather two of my beauties, a brand new scooter and my boyfriend Duke. I have been dreaming of having an iron horse for years, and now Duke got me one for my birthday. I quickly jumped on it. My hands were on the rough black handles, and I almost screamed with happiness. I'll show you how to ride it. Duke promised, smiling happily, but I couldn't wait. I want to start it up. My boyfriend turned the ignition key, gripped the brake handle, and pressed the start button. The scooter's engine rumbled, and it sounded like the most beautiful music in the world to me. Duke put his arm around my waist. I'll teach you how to ride it, and we'll go for a spin. Why wait? I clutched the handle of the scooter with all my might and cranked it toward me. The iron horse took off at a speed far greater than I expected. After all, my boyfriend didn't skimp on the gift and chose the best and most powerful thing for his girlfriend. Goldie, look out! It was the last thing I heard before I flew out onto the road right under the wheels of a speeding car. That was how I ended up in a hospital bed. I was unlucky in one respect. I was not wearing any protection at all at the time of the accident, but I was lucky that the paramedics came fairly quickly. I lost a lot of blood, but my brain was intact, there were no broken bones, and I felt pretty good now, until I found out who helped me stay alive. After the accident, I urgently needed a blood transfusion, and once again, I was lucky. A suitable donor was found within hours after the information about the accident and the request for help had spread around the school. However, my parents and Duke shared the name of the donor with a rare blood type with faces that would have been more appropriate at a funeral. Here, my boyfriend handed me some papers. I ran my eyes over them and tripped over the most hated name in the universe. Sean Glams. It sounded like a verdict. My parents confirmed it wasn't a mistake or a coincidence. My worst enemy showed up at the hospital when he found out I needed blood and became a donor. Did you see him? I turned to Duke. He nodded. Yes, we ran into each other in the hallway. 
And was he gloating? You'd be surprised, but no, Jerkshan was acting all sorrowful. Jerkshan, that was the nickname by which all my family and friends knew Sean Glams. My war with Sean had been going on for exactly five years, ever since I transferred to a new school. And in those five years, the guy had proven himself to be a real jerk. He didn't like me right away. I got my ass kicked by that idiot as soon as I stepped into the building. At first, my parents laughed at Glam's antics, calling them odd signs of affection. But as time went on, the longer I went to Redwood High School, the less we joked about it. Jerkshawn used to bully me using the most elaborate means possible. He was irritated by my grades, my accomplishments in drama club, the car my dad drove me to school in, the friends I met on my first date, the handsome boyfriend who treated me so well. It was like Sean was angry that I existed. My parents tried to talk to Sean himself, to his parents, to the principal, but to no avail. The straight-A student and the face of the school was untouchable. The face! I would have called him something else. Why did he do it? I still couldn't figure it out. Goldie, what surprises you? Even an idiot like that can't walk past someone else's pain. That's right. Mom smiled. I bet he realized he wasn't being fair to you. Duke and I looked at each other, thinking the same thing. Sean Glams came to his senses? Nonsense! Anyway, I gradually recovered, and within a few weeks, I was able to return to normal life. The class greeted me with applause. Yeah, congratulations to this arrogant fool for not ending her epic ride right in heaven. I was still angry at myself for my carelessness, but there was something else that was bugging me. I had to meet Sean and talk to him. I found my greatest enemy by the fountain in the schoolyard. He was flipping through his book, and when he saw me, he tried to duck out of it. Stop right there! We never really liked each other, but this time, my tone was so firm that he didn't argue, so he stayed where he was, looking down. I looked around, making sure no one could hear us, and asked, Why did you do that? What do you want? The guy looked at me with his angry eyes. I saw the paperwork. Why did you become a blood donor? You hate me, don't you? Sean was quiet for a minute, and then he blurted out, Don't be ridiculous. Do you think our fights are more important than a human's life? It just so happens that we have the same rare blood type. Those were the last words I was prepared to hear from this angry, jealous guy. Too bad he didn't think my ruined nerve cells were more important than our fights. Anyway, he did help me. As you can understand from the incident, I have always been a very emotional person. I was in that moment too, as I hugged a stunned Sean and whispered in his ear, Thank you so much, I owe you one. The boy wasn't lost for long. Quickly, he broke free of my embrace and left. But I don't forget a good deed that easily. I needed to do something sincere and big for my savior, like a thank you. And I had already thought of what it would be, but I'll tell you about it a little later because the story of the accident was getting more and more detailed. I still had to see the doctor once a week. Dr. Whiteman questioned me in detail about my well-being and studied the results of my tests. I felt fine. Only occasionally I complained about headaches. Everything is within normal limits. The doctor reassured me. The headaches will pass soon. The main thing is that the sensitive young man didn't hesitate to share his rare blood. Sensitive? I frowned. 
the nurse told me that he was not himself when he came to the hospital. Eyes frantic, handshaking, almost crying. Is he a close friend of yours? Closer than I thought, I muttered to myself. I couldn't even believe it. Was Sean really that worried about my life? What else could explain his strange behavior on the day he came to donate blood? After the hospital, I went to Duke's garage. My boyfriend liked to spend his time there, endlessly fiddling with his iron friends, his car, and motorcycle. It doesn't make sense. He shrugged when I repeated the doctor's words. Maybe Jerk Sean was upset about having to find a new victim. We laughed, but somehow sadly. Maybe he's not such a jerk? I said thoughtfully. Yeah, and I'm a distant relative of Barack Obama. We laughed again. That would have been nice. I hugged him and nodded at my scooter, which Duke was slowly restoring. How's it going? Pretty good. Almost no damage, just a bit of a problem with the brakes, but I'll fix that. We could joke all we wanted, but the fact remained that Sean had shown himself in a very different way this time, and I probably shouldn't call him a jerk anymore. After all, I wouldn't be able to hug my boyfriend and see my parents anymore without that jerk. So here was my plan. The first thing I did was go to the reporters of our school's YouTube channel. They of course were aware of my story and were happy to help. We filmed a short video that I was planning to show to the whole school at the year-end event. As always, on the last day of school, the entire Redwood school staff gathered in a huge auditorium to congratulate and award the very best students. Of course, no one could compete with Sean Glam's accomplishments. A straight-A student who created four terrific projects this year, the best in the city and the state, Sean took the stage to loud ovations. The principal shook the guy's hand. But I'd like to name one more, Mr. Glam's most important accomplishment this year. The principal nodded. The lights in the auditorium went out, and the video we shot with the reporters appeared on the huge screen. In my mini-interview, I talked about the complicated relationship that Sean and I had. Major enemies, pure hatred with no chance of a truce. But life decided to make adjustments. Who would have thought that one day I would be able to thank Sean so sincerely, to thank him for anything at all? The video projection of me wiped away her tears and smiled but I'm so grateful to him for saving my life. Thank you, Sean. The video ended and the auditorium literally exploded with applause and enthusiastic shouts. Students and teachers chanted, thank you, Sean, while he stood in the middle of the stage, white as a ghost. His eyes wandered from one face in the crowd to the next. Then he turned to the principal as if seeking protection. And then he turned to me. I was sitting in the front row. Stop it. I read my savior's lips. Stop it! Come on, young man. The principal patted him on the shoulder encouragingly. You deserve it. Thank you, Sean. The crowd kept chanting. No! I thought Glams was going to cry. I felt uncomfortable. No! No! The cry of the best student silenced several hundred voices in an instant. We all stared at Sean, unsure of what had frightened him. I didn't save Goldie. That's not what happened. Stop it. You don't know anything. The guy stormed out and ran for the exit. He ran past me with a twisted look on his face. There was silence in the hall for a few seconds. I jumped up from my seat, nodded at the distraught principal, and went looking for Sean. I found my savior by the same fountain where we first met after my return from the hospital. Sean was sobbing so desperately that he didn't even notice me approaching. 
And when he did, he took a step to the side. Go away! I can't live with this anymore! With what, Sean? I don't understand. It's my fault! The guy sobbed again. <laughs> the accident happened because of me! I felt like I was hit on the head with a dust bag, as if the meaning of his words was making its way to me through a dense fog. I saw your stupid boyfriend bringing the scooter into the parking lot. He went off to look for you, and it was like I had lost my mind. I stood there staring at that damn scooter for ages, and then I went over and broke the brake lever. By the time I realized what I'd done, it was too late. But the accident wasn't because of a faulty brake. It was because I wasn't watching where I was going. I wasn't even thinking about slowing down. Of course, Sean was a monster, but he has already shown remorse for what he did, and I owe him my life. Do you think I should tell Sean what really happened? Or should he continue to suffer from remorse? Leave your opinion in the comments. Your support is very important to me.